Lord, we just offer up highest praise this morning. We just sing the, the greatest word in the human language. Hallelujah. There's no higher word of worship than this. Simply meaning praise the Lord. It is a universal word. They sing it in China. They sing it in Australia. They sing it in Israel. They sing it in Russia. And here we are this morning as the church of Jesus Christ declaring hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. You are the creator of all things. And even when humanity turned against you, you turned your heart towards us and sent us a Savior. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came on our behalf, gave yourself to us, and then you gave yourself for us. We just thank you, God, for this great gift of salvation. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you illuminated our understanding unto it, Lord, that you would open up our minds to see that there's a good God who loves us and calls us to yourself. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy of all praise. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. So there is uh, strength in the number three. There's, uh, the number three is a special number. Uh, of course, we know that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we call the Trinity, is the number three. We have the passage in Ecclesiastes that uh, when one falls, another can help him up, and a cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. Engineers know the strength of three. That a box is more weak than a triangle. So on the roof of your house, it's probably built out of triangles. And if you even get into your attic and look, you would see that there's all these cross braces on those triangles. There's strength in three. You see a bridge trellis made out of iron, you're going to see a series of triangles. It's just something about three sides coming together that brings such strength. This weird little facet of the number three is just maybe coincidental, but probably not, that a relationship, if it has three sides to it, can be a strong relationship. And all three sides need to be equally balanced. And so I want to look at the human relationship first, then we'll look, look at the God relationship next. And so on the human relationship, uh, the first side of this, we, we, it's a kind of a scandalous term, love triangle. <laughs> the first side of this love triangle is intimacy. And we're not talking about the physical intimacy. We're talking about emotional intimacy. This is where the husband and the wife come to know each other better than, than they know anybody else. And that, that, that just a commitment to that person leads to a level of knowing them on another, on another level than their acquaintances or their friends. And that's that intimacy side of the triangle. The other side of that triangle is the, the commitment side. And so uh, that commitment says that even through the hard times, even when I don't like you so much, <laughs> I'm still going to stick with you. And that, that has to be a, a strong part of the, this love triangle as well. And then there's the passion side. Well, we like that one, don't we? Amen. The passion side is the physical intimacy. And, and, and all three, remember this, all three have to be, have to be balanced. And so that uh, romantic side, that, uh, that uh, one flesh part of the marriage is also important. Now, 
there was a couple they had their 50th wedding anniversary and and uh they were it was all over and they were sitting there at the house kind of just tired you know after all the events and and she looks over at him and says honey without your glasses you still look like the same man i married 50 years ago and he said honey without my glasses you still look like the same woman i married 50 years ago <laughs> sometimes as that commitment level is strong even when the the passion side might fade a little bit that commitment level will continue to keep you in that relationship but we should always be working on all three sides amen should always be working on all three you, you can you can imagine how if one side gets all the attention and the other sides get neglected kind of how this will cause a marriage to fail, how relationships, friendships will die off if, if only one facet is, is of a friendship, a relationship is, is, is paid attention to. And you can imagine the same thing when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. We have a little diagram and, uh, on the screen. It talks about the, the inner triangle is the, the person-to-person relationship. This would be your marriage. And how you have intimacy, again, emotional uh, knowing one another intimacy commitment that's i'm going to stick with you through thick and thin and then that passion and all three being equal this is a this is a a, a, a triangle that shows the balance in all three but then on the outside of that is the the balance in our relationship with the lord that it is based on knowledge and it is sealed with a covenant and the expression of that is through worship amen A.W. Tozer is probably the most celebrated and, and, and admired theologians of all time. And A.W. Tozer said that worship was the missing jewel of the evangelical church. And he said this in a period in which the church as a whole was, had kind of grown cold. Like the commitment level was still there. And you had a lot of intellectuals uh, that were just continued to, to go through the motions of church. And yet worship had kind of faded over the years I believe it was because of of that statement and because a lot of people respected that man's opinion so much that there has since then been a resurgence of worship in the church of Jesus Christ amen throughout church history you'll see that that different facets will will kind of rise I think I think it's a, a positive thing that that and sometimes a denomination gets formed out of it but uh, like with uh, the Baptist church, the priesthood of believer, with the Methodist church, there's a personal relationship. But different, different denominations kind of formed out of different uh, things that God has brought back into this church that kind of got lost over time. But here lately, it, it, over the last, I don't know how many years, but worship. Worship is being restored. In the Church of Jesus Christ, you'll see all kinds of things going if you watch it kind of universally. And, and here over the last several years, there's been a large leftist move. Uh, some do, do, whole denominations have made a strong left turn. And what you're seeing is the denominations failing. Failing. And, and there has been all kinds of tragedy in churches. And you see numbers dropping in certain denominations and struggles happening in church. But there's also pockets of life in the church of Jesus Christ, all around the world. And it has nothing to do with the denomination, it has nothing to do with it, but, but here's what it has something to do with. Those pockets of life have tapped into worship again. 
It is vitally important. Back to the human-to-human relationship, back to that relationship of marriage. You can imagine when there is, is, is uh, just passion. We don't know each other. We sure ain't committed to each other. But man, the passion is wild. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's those couples that make you sick at the restaurant. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, would y'all just eat? <laughs> and sir, you'd have better time eating with her tongue not in your mouth. <laughs> and that's that just crazy passion. Crazy passion. This is also paralleled in the church that all it is is worship. And it's constantly looking for a stimulation. And if you don't come and are just totally moved, then God must have not showed up today. That's a dangerous thing. So it can't be all one. All three of those are good, but they need to be in balance. And so here's what happens sometimes. You've got different personality types, and, and sometimes churches will draw certain personality types. This is why we are very intentional in trying to stay balanced in this. But especially if you come, if you're a type of a person that is constantly looking for the next rush, the next thrill, or if you came out of addiction in which it was a very emotional thing, in which you're constantly chasing that next high. Sometimes those, sometimes people will come out of an addiction or codependency into Christianity and it's just the next high. And that's dangerous. Where you then have to do is go back to focusing on the knowledge of the Lord and a commitment to him. I've known people in, in relationships and marriages that, that uh, meant that they have a new marriage and it's the sixth or seventh one. And you're just like, how long is this one going to last? And because what happens is sometimes people are, live kind of like an addict off of the thrill of the chemical blast that happens into their system with the forming of a new relationship. This is a real thing. And so they're, they're chasing the next high. And, and if they would just come back to this level of commitment and knowing the individual and base those relationships on those things, and then, then the marriage will last. That's that good balance. Amen? Amen. But sometimes a marriage can grow cold. And that instead of being that all passion and no commitment or no intimacy, it's, it's all commitment. And there's really, we don't even know each other. We don't really have any affection towards another. We're just in this thing to the bitter end, and it usually is pretty bitter. Churches do the same thing. There are churches all over the place right now in this city that they're just trying to keep the doors open. And if they could just, if, if, as long as the doors don't close while I'm alive, I've, I've succeeded. I think that's a pretty sad thing. But if they could get a resurgence of worship, if they could bring worship back to the house, then the place would warm up again. Amen. So let's, let's look at some scriptures on uh, this business of a, a cold church. In the book of Revelation chapter 2, uh, there's a, Jesus is addressing some churches. And, and we're going to look at two of them today just briefly. We're just going to touch on a couple of them. But there's that one church that, uh, man, they're heavy on the commitment level. And probably high on knowledge, but the worship faded. The love is gone. Chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 4. Uh, Nevertheless, I have this against you. By the way, if you have a, a, a copy of the scriptures in front of you that are red letter, you'll notice it's in red. What does that tell us? 
Jesus is speaking to the church of Ephesus. Now, you need to understand something that the, of the letters of the epistles, the, the letters uh, from Paul to the churches, Ephesians is one of my favorite. It may be my utmost favorite. And so when you read this, years after Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, when you read this and Jesus is addressing that church, it's like, oh my goodness, what happened to that church? This was a strong church when Paul wrote this letter. But here's Jesus, and he says, you got a lot of knowledge, and you're doing a lot of good things. But verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. The passion's gone. The worship's absent. Verse 5, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This used to be an awesome church. The, the church in Ephesus was amazing. Just read the book of Ephesians. Of, of all the, the books that, are, that I have that are marked up the most, and well, look at there, I haven't even missing a chunk out of that page. It's the book of Ephesians. And here, Jesus is saying, I'm fixing to take your church away from you. That's that phrase, I will remove your lampstand. I'm going I'm to take that structure that's holding the Holy Spirit, I'm going to remove it. Y'all can keep attending, but the Spirit ain't going to be there. And he says, why? What happened? Well, they, they lost their first love. They, they quit doing what they used to do that brought life into the church. And, and, and this, man, it's such a parallel between a marriage and, the, and our relationship with the Lord. Because I've talked to those who the passion has faded in their relationship, and it just seems like we're just going through the motions and, and you know, just trying to make it week by week. And we're holding strong to the commitment, but... it's kind of rough. Well, I would have the same recommendation that Jesus did for the church. Do the first works. Verse 5, remember therefore from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works. How'd you fall in love to start with? How did you you just think that she hung the moon and that he was was all of that in a bag of chips? How did that happen? Well, because because you, you used to spend time together. You used to talk with one another. Back to that commitment level. You used to, you, you, you had that uh, one-on-one, that personal intimacy. He said, do that again. Do that again. Whatever it was that caused you to fall in love with them to start with, go back to that and come back into that relationship, that love relationship with them. And so this would be the cold church that they're just going through the motions. We came again another Sunday. Hope you're happy, God. Done. The next church would be more of a kind of a lukewarm church. And uh, how does that happen? Well, maybe that uh, it's not just the commitment level, but there's also, man, it is knowledge-based. Man, we, we know the Word. We know the Word of God. and We are studied in the Word. And I'm going to tell you something. That, that is something that I have uh, in the past uh, had to be intentional about because that's me. I just want to get in this Bible. I just want to read. I just want to study. I just want to teach. I just want to preach. I love the Word of God. Amen. But see, the Word of God is given to the child of God so that we might know God. Amen. That's, that's the reason you have this. It's not so that you might have knowledge. It's not that you might know Him. Not just that you know things, but that you know Him. And so in uh, chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, we have a, a, a church that's called lukewarm. And it's the church of, church of Laodicea. And verse 15 says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. I need to explain this passage of Scripture real quick because 
I've heard it described in so many different ways. And I've heard people say, well, God would rather you be cold than lukewarm because if you're cold, then people really don't mistake you for a Christian and, and, and you're not really uh, leading people astray. I, I don't really think that that's what he's saying here. You have to understand a little bit of geography and where this sits to know exactly what he's saying. The city of Laodicea sat between two streams. On one side, you had a cold spring that flowed and people could drink and, and have a refreshing cool spring on one side of the city. On the other side of the city, you have these this, uh, hot springs and the minerals, the things that are coming out and they're healing. And, and uh, I remember going to Hot Springs, Arkansas as a kid and Man, you, people would soak in those springs or Thermopolis, Wyoming. And, and people would, would go and just for the healing purposes, mineral wells, Texas. Laodicea had a spring on either side, hot spring, cold spring. But they joined together on the other side of the city and they turned into one river. And it was neither cold nor hot. You couldn't drink it. Might as well not. I mean, it's just kind of worthless. And so Jesus says, I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Jesus said, you make me sick. He said, man, you really, you, you know so much, but it affects you so little. Does that ever convict anybody that how much we know of God, but how little it affects us? Well, I've been convicted over that so many times. And, and, and we just need to recognize that the balance is what's healthy. The balance is what's healthy. When we have all knowledge but no love, that's dangerous. In Romans chapter 10, Paul is referring to the nation of Israel. And he says, he says this about them. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, were being, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Now, I have talked a lot about righteousness lately. And, and in case you missed it, I'll just kind of sum that up real quick. Righteousness is not right doing. You're not working towards becoming righteous. Righteousness is being in right standing with God. And when you're in right standing with God, it will lead to fruits of righteousness. And so the fact that I am no longer in sin, but I'm in Christ says that I am in right standing with God. Amen. And that is his righteousness has been imparted to me and it's not self-righteousness. But he says the nation of Israel, the, the, this Judaism of this day, they have rejected Jesus and were trying to be self-righteous. And it's simply because they were ignorant. Now, ignorant is different than being stupid. But we have, sometimes we have both. <laughs> sometimes I've been both. Ignorant is simply not knowing. In the nation of Israel at this time, in the, the, the religious section of Israel at this time, just did not know Jesus. Because verse 4 tells us, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Amen. But his accusation toward them, they got a lot of zeal, but they don't have much knowledge. Boy, they know, they, they're, they're passionate. They just don't know much. 
I like what Ronald Reagan said about uh, liberals. He said, uh, it's not that, he said, our liberal friends, it's not that they're ignorant. He says, they just know so much that isn't so. <laughs> this is the nation of Israel. It weren't that they were completely ignorant. They knew the law well. They knew so much, but they failed to know the one person that was the fulfillment of everything that they did know, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so uh, having simply uh, uh, just zeal, passion, Paul, Paul, the one who wrote that letter, he was one of them. And he said, I had more zeal than any of them. I have more passion than any of them. So much so that I was killing Christians. And he was. He was a, he was a, a, a killer of Christians for his religious zeal. So we can be absolutely on that commitment level. You can have the commitment level so high or the passion so high, but, but yet having no knowledge. It's like, I don't know where we're going, but we're making good time. We're, we're getting there fast. And so we, we need to have our passion and our knowledge working together. I wanted to look also at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And it says this, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So in, in a house like this in which we put a lot of in, uh, influence, interest on the, the learning of scriptures, that we, this, we, we preach the word, we teach the word, and, and we want to know the word but in a house like this, it can be dangerous in that we begin filling our head with so much knowledge and it does not translate into passion. It says, knowledge puffs up. How many in here are puffy? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what puffs up. That head, that head will be all swollen. <laughs> that head will puff up. Man, I know so much. But with the swelling of the head comes the shrinking of the heart. Know so much, but care so little. So here's that verse of scriptures. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Let me say it this way. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. See, if I know so much, I then become uh, arrogant and I look down you, on you for knowing so little. But if I have love, then I build you up. Amen? Ain't that good? It's just right out of the word. Amen? Verse 2, and if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. I've been kind of talking a lot about grace lately, and, and, and with this grace comes love. His grace has caused us to be loved by him. But sometimes we struggle with the love aspect. Sometimes the love kind of grows cold and uh, maybe you're here today and you've kind of been doing the church thing for a season and it was fun at first kind of like a, a, a human relationship but it's kind of just kind of grown cold a little bit and I've, I've mentioned this a few times lately the way to fix the love issue is to remind yourself just how much you are loved amen just focus not on your lack of love for him but focus on his, his, not, uh, his great love for you. And as we focus on how much he loves us, 
then it will reciprocate with a greater love for him. In 1 John, it says not that we love him, but that he first loved us. Amen. Just remind yourself how much you are loved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, it, it tells that if you're lacking love, uh, we've got some issues. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, I like, I like our praise team. Today we had no brass or cymbals because our, our, our drummer, uh, he, he needed a, a break today. Uh, but we had a great box player. I don't know what you call that thing, but she did a good job on that box. And uh, I just wanted to come over here and hit it a little bit just because. Hey, that's, that's neat stuff. I like playing, I like playing with things. I like brass and cymbals until you're asleep. And so how many of y'all like to watch uh, uh, Mayberry, uh, the Andy Griffith show? Y'all remember that one episode where they had the cymbals? And just bang, just clanging cymbals can be nice in the mix of a band. But when they're constant and they're, they're, they're startling or they're continuous... They're no longer welcome. <laughs> you know, what if you just left all of the other parts out of the band and we just had the cymbals just constantly, tang, 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 tang. You'd be like, that's the worst praise team I've ever heard. Ever in my life. I can't even get in the building anymore. I just can't stand it. But this is what he's saying. He said, you can have a lot of, a, a lot of great words, but if those words lack love, you ain't doing nothing but making noise. And remember, when it's continuous, see, I hate repetition. I hate things that just don't ever stop, like the dripping sink or the squeaking. I, I'll have, we'd be driving down the road in my truck, and I'm like, find the squeak, find the, stop the squeak. <laughs> and, and, and Christy and I both don't hear very well, so that's sometimes fun. But uh, I can't handle the repetitions. And this is what he say: you can talk a lot, but if all of your talk is lacking love, all you're doing is making a bunch of noise. And what we want you to do is just shut up. Now, I, had, I, I couldn't say that in the first service because Mama was in the first service. and She always told me, don't say that. Don't say shut up. But she ain't here right now. So just shut up. <laughs> if you don't have love, stop talking. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, look at the spiritual gifts lined out in verses 2 and 3. Understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I have nothing, I am nothing. In verse 3, it profits me nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It does no good. It don't count. I, some, I used to rodeo a little bit, and uh, the, the best rides I've ever had, I rode bulls and bareback, and the best rides I ever had were either, either in Tortoise Rodeo Arena, the practice pin, or when I got disqualified. Either one of us, I was like, man, that was an amazing ride. Yet there's a yellow flag laying on the ground. I got disqualified. It don't count. It don't matter how good it was. It doesn't make the, it, it, you, I would be wearing buckles all over the place if I had those rides back. <laughs> but they don't count. 
And this is what he says. This is what he says. All of these things that you do as a child of God, if they are done out of selfish ambition, if they are done out of arrogance and your own motives, it don't count. You're not making scores with God. You're not making points in heaven. It don't count. Let's read that one more time, just in case you hadn't figured that out again. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, I gave away everything. And though I give my body to be burned, I've become a martyr. But have not love, it don't count. Profits me nothing. You think that maybe this love facet to this love triangle is important. This passion for the Lord, this worshiping the Lord, it, it's absolutely important. And, and when that gets right, this gets right. And when this is off, this is off. And I know that because when I am, 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 am kind of torqued <laughs> at people, I know that I'm like, all right, I need to get to prayer, my prayer closet. I'm not doing good with folks right now. Everybody's in my way, taking up my time, all up in my business. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, I'm not balanced right now. And the best way to get there is to be in the presence of the Lord. Balance is healthy. I remember uh, when the boys were little and they got a wee at Christmas. Anybody know what a wee is anymore? Next service will know what I'm talking about, y'all. First service had, when I mentioned the wee, that was just dead faces. Nothing. They had nothing. And so, hey, what's a week? And so these boys, they had the, this thing, and it's a little white thing, and they, you were supposed to see how it was going to guess my age. And so they had a little flame on a candle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Try and keep the, fa- the, the, the flame still. And so I'm trying to balance as best I can. It said I was 80-something years old. That's what it said. <laughs> but what this means, balance is healthy. And when it comes to this, balance is healthy. We need to be balanced. We need to give equal attention to each facet of our love relationship. Amen. Give equal attention to each facet of our love relationship. Praise God. I want to look at one more verse of scripture. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Here's Paul talking to the church in Philippi. We've looked at him talking to Ephesus. We've looked at him talking to Romans. And now it's the church in Philippi. He says, I, I pray that your love may abound still more and more. It just keep on growing in knowledge, not absent of it. And all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. You remember what I said about righteousness? Righteousness is not right doing, it's right standing, it's being in the right position of I am saved, I am in Christ Jesus. But with that, if this health begins and continues, then there will be fruitfulness, fruits of righteousness. Because see, if I'm still all wrapped up in myself, those are called dead works. Uh, Though I speak with the tongues of men of angels, have not love, clanging brass and a clanging cymbal, sounding brass, clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy. Y'all remember that passage of scripture? 1 Corinthians 13. And I have not love, 
All I'm doing is making noise. I'm profiting nothing. It's no, it's no good for me. Those are dead works. Because love is the life that brings this kind of fruit. So I'm going to read it again. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. Love would abound. You'd grow in your love. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What's the end result? Worship. Worship. That's why on that triangle there's passion and worship right hand in hand. Because worship is an expression of love. It's a, it's a, a passionate expression to God that we love you, God. Sometimes people will make mention of our music at Sand Springs. And, and let me tell you something. Here's, if you're church shopping, I hate that phrase, by the way. But there's... There's things that you're looking for, I know. You're going to see if they have the kind of music that you like, the kind of preaching that you like. And I have people come sometimes and they'll say, uh, Brother, we came to your church, we visited your church, we really liked your preaching. And they think that it's supposed to impress me, and it does not because I know what they're really saying is, we don't really like your music. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I've had some that tried to sway me, and, and uh, that won't work. But here's the, here's, I did the math. I got the, I got the numbers right here. You have 10,080 minutes a week. For 20 minutes in this room, we're going to worship. <laughs> we're going to worship. For 20 minutes, we're going to, we're not just going to talk, sing about God. We're going to sing to God. That's worship. Amen. So for 20 minutes of your 10,080 minutes, you don't, you don't have to do it in here, but we're going to do it in here. We're going to worship because that passionate expression to the Lord is healthy. And, and it's what brings life back into a church. So for the rest of your, the, the other 10,060 minutes of your week, you can listen to whatever you want to listen to. And you can have access to anything you want to have access to. It's simple. So, but for 20 minutes a week, we're going to worship. Amen. 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 It's healthy. It's good. It brings fruitfulness. It brings life. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to read this passage one more time. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge. Not just ignorant passion but knowledgeable expressions of love and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, let your light so shine before men that they seek your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. May our lives exude worship. May we continue, not just on 20 minutes a Sunday, but every day of our life, may there be an expression of worship. May there be that balance of, Lord, I'm committed to you. And that even in those times when I, didn't, when I can't hear you, even in those times when I can't see you, when I can't feel you, when I can't sense you, I still love you. 
I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm committed to you. Lord, and I want to know you more. Paul says, oh, that I might know him. Oh, that I might know him. We're like, Paul, if anybody knows him, you know him. The greatest missionary of all time wrote more scripture than any other human being. And Paul's like, oh, I want to know him. I want to know him more. He says, in the fellowship of his suffering. Well, I won't skip that class. <laughs> but see, when you're going through the greatest suffering, you'll find out that's when he's the closest. When you need him the most, that's when you have him the most. He said, the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. Oh, that I might know him. You know, when you live a life of knowing in that way, you know what the proper response is? Worship. Worship. Let us not grow all heady and lack in the heart. For worship is the lifeblood of a church and a believer. An expression of love to him. Let's pray. Lord, we do worship you today. We worship you. You are worthy of worship. God, you are holy, which means you are above and different and other than any other thing. You are set apart. There's none like you. You're holy. And in your holiness, you loved so much that you created Everything that we know and understand. You spoke into existence the worlds and all that is in them. And then you got your hands dirty and you formed man. And then you put your mouth on him, breathed life into him. He became a living soul. And then you rescued him when he fell away and, and rebelled against you. And, and you've been doing it ever since. You are so good. Your love towards us, Lord, is undeniable, unmistakable, and I can't even understand it. Thank you, God, for your love. Lord, I pray that we would just continue to be able to express back to you your worth. How you are worthy of all glory, all honor, and all praise. For you are God and you are good. And we do love you. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.